racing cars need racing fuel. And Race Fuels is the best, most convenient way to power through your next meeting. Our famous Elf Race 102 is the control fuel of choice for the Touring Car Masters. It's available at the Bowsers, at Sydney Motorsport Park and the Bend. And it's available in drums at Winton. Imported direct from France, Elf Race 102 is affordable horsepower. For more details, head to racefuels.com.au. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag. This is a suspended uh, race. Welcome back to the Parked Up Podcast. My name is Grant Rowley. We are powered by Race Fuels here, and I'm joined by Tony Dalberto. We've just come back from the high-tech oils Bathurst six hour. A great weekend up at Mount Panorama. But maybe Tony D, not so great for yourself. How are you? Mate, I'm not bad considering. Uh you're right. It was a bit of a shocker for me unfortunately but in saying that bloody good weekend for motorsport just in general the mm -hmm. sun was fantastic weather mm. was great oh yeah had, guns were out yep had the family there and when i say family my my family but then our motorsport family was there too there was just so many people that we hadn't seen for a long time so catching up with all those people was was really good uh, the amount of race cars that were at the track was fantastic. The, the whole six-hour event was huge, you know, considering um, you know, what we've gone through last year. I think everybody was just raring to go. We saw a record field, uh, and I think with TCR and Trans Am and all the other categories, the XLs. Um, sex sales. Sex oh, sales. Yeah. They're, they're sex sales. Hyundai sex sales. Is that, isn't our show G-rated or something? Uh, but like you can say sexy. And they're, okay. they're sexy, so they're sex else. There you go. So, yeah, lots of cars, lots of people, lots of racing. It was it was great. So uh, let's not talk too much about my weekend, mate. Not not a lot to report, unfortunately. <laughs> it uh, it was a little bit of a shocker for you, and I'm surprised you're so upbeat. With uh, I've never heard you so upbeat about motorsport when you've come back from a, a tenth, a DNF, and uh, I, I think your car is still buried in the hell corner sand trap down there at turn one. Yeah, I think it, it might be actually. I, I got uh, I just got out of the car. Steph picked me up in the Ranger. The boys were in the back, and I just fired back to Melbourne um, <laughs> Sunday lunch, um, afternoon. So we got back to Melbourne about ten o'clock. Didn't see much of the six hour, unfortunately. But yeah, you're right. It was it was a bit of a shocker. I won't bore bore you everyone with all the details, but uh, let's just uh, say that we're going to have to regroup and get our shit together for the next round in Sydney Motorsport Park. Which I'll remind you, Grant, I took the inaugural pole position at Ooh. Sydney Motorsport Park. So you did. that was a good round for us last time. Um, so let's take that form into that race rather than my form from my last event at Bathurst which was shit mm. no stress no stress long way to go and there's actually not there's only three rounds oh. to go well we're only halfway through so yeah I've had two bad rounds and one good one so my strike rate's not good it moving was, on it was a awesome race weekend of course the Bathurst six hour was the headline which was won by none other than Shane Van Gisbergen who uh, it's hard for him to lose a race at the moment. So he was partnered with Shane Smolin and Rob Rubis in the BMW M4. And we're going to catch up with the man who called it all day 
Richard Crail from the Race Talk, who's going to help us uh, dissect the race and the event and let us know his thoughts on the return of the Bathurst Six Hour and the first for ARG as well. Uh, also, later in the show, we are going to catch up with young TCR gun Aaron Cameron with uh, our regular TCR driver that's on the show here, Tony D. He couldn't get any results, so we thought we'd try and find a <laughs> find a good one, find someone who knows what he's doing. Of course, Aaron Cameron finished second in all three races in his Peugeot. Not quite enough to topple young Chas Mostert in the Audi, but. Uh, Aaron's doing a, a sensational job. He's now second in the championship. Uh, he's such a determined little character. Looking forward to talking to him a little bit later on. And also, uh, I spoke to a whole wide range of people about the Bathurst Six Hour and what it means to them. Uh, and we'll include that a little later in the show. Uh, Tony D, um, I don't know. Is there much else? Should we just get into the news? Plenty of talk about the news, so let's do that. Let's go. Yeah, this is the news. The news is brought to us by motorsportwebsites.com.au. I got to meet Shane Tanner from Motorsport Websites at Bathurst. He was absolutely loving it. Had him in the media center over the weekend and uh, great to put a face to the name of the guy who is uh, helping uh, the Parked Up podcast and my business with some website needs. He is the man to contact motorsportwebsites.com.au. Now let's just bowl straight into our chat with Richard Crowell. He's going to help us pull apart the Bathurst six hour that was held at Mount Panorama. Let's go. Pressing numbers. It's Richard Crowell. And on the line is Richard Crowell. He's the man who sat in a commentary box and talked to the world while the new great production car race of Mount Panorama was run and won. Of course, it was won by Shane Van Gisberg and Shane Smolin and Rob Rubis in the BMW. Richard Crowell, thanks for joining us and great call. What did you think of the weekend? Grant and Tony, hello. Nice to be back. Uh, loved it, wasn't it? Great. How good was the weather? Oh, I yes. do not remember... Oh, cool a consistent period of three days, four days in that part of the world with quality weather like that. And we all know Bathurst weather and how fickle it can be. And that's why it stands out when it's amazing like that was. Thank so God that stands out as number race, one. Thank God we had our race fuels hats. Correct. Because we needed them. Very important. Three. Yes. And I have a new one now. Days. Yes. I saw that on the race fuels social media channels. You've, you've finally it, it, been inducted into the collection. Isn't Mark Tini becoming such a celeb these days? Just roll around the pit lane with his microphone, just you know, throwing it around and throwing I'm questions a, at like a at people like a pro. He actually interviewed me at Sandown um, for the Crera Cup round. I feel like my job's in jeopardy. But it'll just be Tini TV will take over everything. He'll be. Maybe you can just swap. You can just swap. You can start pushing around drums of fuel. I've got no experience in fuel distribution, but I'm sure it wouldn't be that difficult to pick up. So. Um, with the greatest of respect to Mark, I'm sure he puts lots of energy and effort into it. Um, no, look, seriously, great. Oh, it was a really good race on Sunday. Uh, lots of safety car, as you come to expect at that place with races like that. But from a, a competitive standpoint, that helped keep cars in the game that might not have been there uh, had it played out with lots of green flag running. So we saw guys like Tim Slade strike dramas early, but lots of safety car kept them on the lead lap. 
um, the Morris um, Mediki Kisteki Mustang had big dramas early in the race, but again, safety car helped keep them in the mix. So we had a really good shootout for the final hour. And, um, and then it was just planet Van Gisbergen again, um, not only having to race his way to the front and there were like, I think there were six lead changes under like green flag conditions in the race and four, four of them were Shane passing people to retake the lead. But he had that five second penalty hanging over his head as well, which um, unfortunately Shane Smolin caused earlier in the race on the first restart when the slight overlap on another car and pretty cruel to have five seconds hanging over your head for the whole day um, in the knowledge that if the race came down to a shootout at the end, which it always does at that place, as you guys know, that you'd have to build a five-second margin or you could lose the race, even if you cross the line first. So quick in the rules, I don't particularly like that, to be honest, in a race like that, when you've got so many pit stop opportunities to, mm. to deal with that penalty rather than hanging it over the result. But it added a layer of drama to the end and that final restart with about 25 minutes, I think 30 minutes to go, and Shane just put his head down and we knew then that, probably going to be really tough to beat him unless there was a, another safety car, but just an imperious drive from him, but, but also from Shane and Rob who are, are am drivers, the, the definition of a, a gentleman driver, they did a really solid job, solid pace, uh, Shane's mistake aside. And he owned it at the end of the race. Like they, they, in the anchor stints in the middle of the day, kept the car in a position. So Shane could jump in and win the thing for them, which is exactly why you hire a guy like Shane to drive your car. So for that respect, I thought it was a really good sort of quintessential endurance race performance from them. Now, I feel as though this year, the production car race, the Bathurst six hour has just exploded. Mm. The amount of cars, uh, the caliber of drivers, new cars into the category as well. I mean, you spoke about the Mustang. Yep. Um, it's just getting bigger and bigger and more exciting. It's one of those races now where everyone wants to be part of it. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think there are two elements to it. It's been building that way for a while, but there's now been a an influx of cars that really suit the race. Like those BMWs are the perfect package to win a race like that, which is why there's, I think, eight of them running now. Um, and the Mustang's another example of that, that a couple of years ago probably hadn't been on sale long enough and people weren't in a, a position to build them for the race, but they are now. And next year I'm convinced we're going to have two Camaros, if not three from what I'm hearing in the paddock, which will be another cool addition. So that'll sort of mirror what's going on in supercar land. We'll have Mustang V Camaro at that race as well, which is cool, but there's probably um, a bit of pent up stuff from last year, not going ahead that people were just so keen to get back there. And they've had these cars sitting in their sheds for a long time. You know, there was no national level production car racing at all last year. So I think that probably, played a role but yeah that mm. it was the the most competitive field we've ever had for that race from a depth point of view and i mentioned slade before and timmy had a, a frustrating weekend but was a contender and you know dave russell in the sharon car was mighty as always they were let down by a lack of grunt in the end um, straight line but he was super fast and and even guys like beric linton and tim lay who really that's they do three or four races a year i mean tim lay does two races a year and on that last restart, he chased Shane Van Gisbergen and for the first two laps was matching him on pace, which not very many people can say they can do, but just didn't have the ability or the the experience or I, I suppose the seat time's the right word to go with him over a distance. But yeah, from a depth point of view, it, it really showed that the race was better than it's ever been. And I think that helped the show as well. And there was a little bit of chat during the week that uh, the Mustang was the favourite 
um, it was going to be better on fuel than what the BMWs were. How did that play out during the race? Uh, not well for those of us that were thinking that. Um, and it was probably hamstrung a bit. The, the safety cars that kept them on the lead lap probably cost them their advantage as well because they they had two pit stops up their sleeve, compulsory stops um, compared to the BMWs. They weren't as fast as the BMWs. So the BMs in race pace could do 26s if they were hustling. Um, the Mustangs were 29s, maybe 28s. Quality pace, they were probably a little bit closer if they needed to be. Um, but they they potentially could have done the race on two less stops than the BMs, and that would have saved them basically three minutes. So it's yeah. you know, a lap and a half of running over the course of six hours is pretty critical. And, and that was where I was really looking forward to seeing how that played out with someone like Paul Morris, you know, as he always does, pulling a rabbit out of the hat with a crazy fuel strategy that ends up winning him a motor race. Um, we didn't get to see that played out because there was a lot of yellow. Um, so they probably, probably hurt them. But um, a positive start. And there's some cool... The, the thing with production car rules is, Tony, that there are so many loopholes. Uh, yep. Like the M3 that's running isn't an M3. It's an M3 competition. And the competition pack just adds a whole layer of cool stuff to the road car, which if you buy that means that it goes on the race car too. And all of a sudden there's these cool special edition Mustangs popping up like Shelby tributes and things like that. So I give it two months before we start seeing people building a Shelby Mustang to run at that event rather than just your standard GT Mustang, um, which will be cool. It's like the homologation specials of the seventies and, you know, Cobra Falcons and things like that and GTHOs. So um, hopefully next year they're a little bit more rapid on pace and they can offer a real challenge. Now we saw, you know, these superstar drivers in the field, but we also saw a superstar uh, team manager in Mr. Roland Dane. He yeah. was calling the strategy on the Paul Morris, uh, yeah. and Medici and Kostecki car. Yeah. Mustang, let us, let us just I know. Work. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Tra tra trading brands. Um, Surely he is the one keen to enter one oh, to Kamara. Surely. Well, so I've got a theory on that, and it's complete me speculating, nothing more. So Tony Quinn now co owns 40% of Triple Eight Race Engineering, right? Tony had entered a Ford Mustang into the race. Um, and Tony joked before the race that had he done the deal with Roland at an earlier stage, he might've built a Camaro, but the Mustang was already finished by the time he brought into the team. Uh, the Mustang did not sadly survive the race. Um, did it crash? Big, it had a, a very large accident at the oh, chase. Who, who crashed uh, it? Timmy Unfortunately, Miles. Timmy Miles was behind the wheel mm. at the time was passing another Mustang ironically and just turned in very, very shallow to the kink and the car understeered wide and he dropped the two outside wheels off and it grabbed it and instantly fired it hard right across and drilled mm. that fence square on. Um, that, that Mustang will never race again, sadly. It's gone to Mustang heaven. It actually looked really cool, that car, by the way. Great looking race car. Yeah. Yep. Maybe yep. they could put it down at the, bury it down with your Honda down at turn one, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yep join that graveyard for sure so uh, i i wouldn't put it past one t quinn building a camaro for the race next year uh now the fact he co-owns t8 surely triple eight run it i mean that just makes perfect sense doesn't it <clears throat> which would then open the door to a jamie Winkup and a shane van gisbergen or someone i'm just speculating just a theory but yeah that that'll be great and those those guys had so much to the race though i having said that i loved Quinny's approach to that race is great. 
and um, his old mate Grant Denyer, who's driven with him forever. And Grant did a super job in that first stint, hauled them up from 13th to 4th on just raw pace. Really drove very, very well. Um, and he was going to get Daniel Gaunt over to drive, but with the the COVID thing and, and couldn't the no bubble opening at the time, couldn't get Gaunty to Australia without any quarantine and um, or going back to have the quarantine. So just roped in Tim Miles, who he just bought his stake of Triple Eight off, which I loved. But um, he just wants to go racing with his mates, which is cool. But I'm, I wonder if the enticement to drag out a J Dub or a SVG next year in a Triple Eight back Camaro might be too much. I don't know. It'd be good fun. I hope it happens. Yep, yep. We we hope it happens too because uh, while that production car race needs to remain at uh, some level of uh, amateur amateur style, I tell you, I just love the back of pits. It's just full yep. of donor cars and wrecks and family run operations, and there's some. Uh, every team has a different story. Some of them are really well presented. Some of them have basically zero presentation, but they're yep. all out there you know, having fun, trying their best and just enjoying their motorsport. And yeah, thinking about 2020 where we couldn't do any motorsport, then this was the perfect event to, regardless of the level that you're at, as long as you've got the appropriate cams license and a, a, a car. Yes. <laughs> so basically any car can uh, can almost fit into the rigs there. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's just, uh, it's, it's just really cool. It's well, different. Yeah, and, and I did have a laugh that the ultra-professional TCR teams, like you guys at Honda, Tony, were out the back in the marquees and in the pit, <laughs> these massive pit lane garages were teams that were rocking up with cars on the back of flatbed trailers and just, yeah, it's so cool. I, I, I love It's a true, the old school spirit of Bathurst. I just think it's great. But it was exemplified with the number of families that were running. And there was an interview late in the race, that one of our, our brilliant team in pit lane dragged, which was Rick Shaw, who's been around there for years and years and years um, and noted for his exploits in a, a road tree Mazda, but it entered a Toyota 86 running around in class D, but he was running with his son for the first time. And his son did a super job, like really fast, really consistent, almost as fast as, um, as Rick was. And I think it was, um, I think it was rusty doing the interview but Rick was sitting in the car and it had a drama, but Rick was so proud of his son. He didn't want to talk about his own driving. All he wanted to do was talk about how well his boy did and how proud he was. And there were so many family combinations in that race, like the three McLeod boys, um, Ryan McLeod's three kids running together, the Barguanas. And that was probably the best interview of the whole race was we caught up with the entire Barguana family the, the dads were there, the grandparents were there, and then the kids running the car. That's what I love about it is that it's such a living the dream kind of exercise um, for families to have a chance to race at Bathurst and, and just have a family out. I, I can see your family, Tony, in several years. You get your kids <laughs> in the race car. You go and buy yourself a – probably by the time you do it, it'll be a secondhand Tesla Model S or something, but you'll <laughs> jump out and go and run the six hour with your kids and just have an amazing weekend. Yeah. Hey, we can't. Sorry, have, Steph. We can't have Teslas because uh, no race fuels needed to power that. So. No, oh, true. yeah, true, true, it's true. It's not true. hope for too much electric racing. True. Having said yet. that, you wouldn't put it past Mark Tini to branch out into batteries or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's right. So you know, of course. Hey, actually, there was uh, uh, the Ellerys too. They yes, were in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, and they would have gone really. They had a shot at winning that race, and those two kids were super fast. Um, unfortunately, Bathurst Gremlins bit them hard, but. Um, I think they'll have to come back and have another crack after that one. 
Richard, we thank you so much for your time on thank the you, Parked Bruce. Up podcast, powered by Race Bills. I've got one more for you. Just oh, one point. I'm now, golly after gosh. all these years, Richard, yes. you and I uh, shared accommodation, I think for the very first time. On the uh, yeah, it could be. Yeah. Like the actual same room. I'm sure we've shared hotels and yeah. we've definitely shared media centres, but yeah. we never shared the same room. How am I as... As a uh, as a house guest, did he walk around with like just his jocks on like normal? No, worse, um, nothing on. <laughs> and um, no, I will. Um, but but very generous in making sure the fridge oh, remains man. stocked. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else then. Crikey. No, no, no. Very ge- very generous in making sure the fridge remains stocked, so that when we walk back after a long day burning the keyboards or the microphone, um, the fridge was already there with cold beer which was outstanding so uh, but yeah which i i'm guessing that grant demolished himself pretty much had look had a fair crack but um the fact that we just there was a cold beer or two for me there that was highly highly appreciated uh i loved it no no always a pleasure to jump on the show boys if you don't mind though i will plug our our podcast and we well we do mind go for it we need <laughs> we need the uh, crossover event coming soon, but uh, we've got the one and only Brad Hodge on Whoa. our show this week, and uh, as we speak, we've literally just finished bowling over a half hour chat with Hodgie, and he was sensational. Um, we we managed to avoid it becoming a three hour chat about cricket, which it very easily could have been, um, <laughs> but he was outstanding, just talking about a lot of the motor racing philosophy stuff that he's bought from cricket and things like that. So um, when you've That's listened to Parked Up jump over to on the grid and uh, listen to the great man who's part of the uh, seven sport broadcast team. Richard Crowell, we thank you so Thanks. much for your time on the parked up podcast. And we look forward to talking to you next time and seeing you at a racetrack. Thanks boys. Anytime. And we thank Richard Crowell for joining us in our news segment there and apologies because my microphone had switched off and Tony was, he was questioning why, why do you sound so terrible, Graham? Why do you sound so terrible? Hey, it was me. I'd switch something. I'd press <laughs> some buttons and I'd ruined it. Generally, that's me making those little errors, but um, Richard sounds so crisp and clear. Mm, yeah, he does have a delicious voice, Absolutely. doesn't he? He, he's, he has got a great voice for radio <laughs> and a great and a nice head as well. <laughs> okay. Um, Let's talk about some supercars, Tony D. We, it feels like forever ago that we've uh, that that supercars were on, but there was some significant news, and unfortunately, it was uh, created by our good old friend Rona, who started to sweep through Brisbane, and it was only a couple of cases, but uh, there was a bit of freak out for some of the Brisbane teams, and they all got forced to jump the border to get to a to safer waters. Uh, but uh, it looks like the old uh, our good friends up in Brisbane and Queensland are now clear. So well, I, the the fallout of the whole thing was that the Tasmanian round has been put back by a week, which works out perfectly for me. Thank you very much, Supercars. Thank you very much, Rona. It means that uh, this weekend I can have uh, I, I can actually have off. You obviously drive for one of those Queensland teams, Tony D. Was there much stress going on up there? Well, not from my point of view, there wasn't. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't hear much about it, to be honest. Uh, I I just heard from other people that basically packed the trucks up and and gone. I think they went to Sydney, 
and but now they're back home again so the cars are back were unloaded again into the workshop and they're uh, they continue their their work on them for the tasmanian round but yeah it, i think it was a bit of a freak out and something they had to jump on very quickly and for a moment there we thought the queensland teams were going to have to do what the melbourne teams had to do last year and that's only uh, fair well yeah exactly exactly and i heard and this is only rumor grant that they uh a lot of the Brisbane teams were told to pack their bags until after tail and bend. So they'll go ex- expecting to be on the road for, for a few weeks there, but um, looks like they've been saved and uh, everything's back to normal now. No panic, no panic, just relax. But even saying that, you know, aside from supercars, the Bathurst six hour was under threat too. Mm. Um, and then we got away with that as well. You know, teams were actually literally rocking in late on the Friday, I think it was, or the, Thursday night or, you know, because they, they had those restrictions from, from traveling. So although Roan is trying his best to wreck our motorsport plans, we're, we're getting around it right now. Yep. We're going okay. Yep. And the news that came out today that the Australian New Zealand travel bubble is going to open must be a huge relief for supercars. It's always a massive event over in New Zealand. You've done plenty of supercars races over there the kiwis absolutely love their motorsport per capita and it'd have to be one of the uh one of the best um most supported sports um you know anywhere in the world so uh it's exciting for new zealand fans that the repco supercars championship looks like pretty likely to head over to auckland still no venue though locked in for that yeah. Well, where would you, where would you, where would you race? They've got three good options there. Pukekohe, Hampton Downs and Highlands. If you could choose out of those three, where would you take a supercars round? Definitely Pukekohe. It, it's just, it's got so much character. It's fast, it's bumpy, it's rough. Always good racing there. Every time we go there. Highlands is spectacular. You know, it's a cool venue. You get lost um, but, in the forest around the back. Yeah. I just don't think it would really show off what a, what a Vert Supercar is all about. And Hampton Downs, to me, doesn't quite have the character of some of these other circuits. So Pukekohe, I reckon, would be amazing. Um, but you're right, the Kiwi fans really enjoy car racing. They just love it. Mm-hmm. And they produce such good racing car drivers. So it would have been a real shame if we didn't get ourselves back across there uh, to put on a show, which they always do in uh, in New Zealand. So fingers crossed, Rona stays under control. And we can plan to get to New Zealand. Right. Now, as we said at the top of the show and with Richard Crail, if you could hear me because my microphone was bloody switched off. At the Bathurst Six Hour, I spoke to a whole bunch of different people. And there's some cool cats in here. And there's some people that you thought, wow, uh, didn't know they were involved. And I just asked them very simply what they thought of the Bathurst Six Hour, what it meant to them. There's a couple of really good answers in here. Let's bowl into it. The very first one, it's Mike Henry, currently working at Sonic Motor Racing, formerly at the Holden Racing Team. Uh, and let's hear what he had to say. Yeah, my role as team manager. Uh, this event's fantastic. It's almost like the old 12-hour, isn't it, pre-GT. So I think the boys love to come out on the weekend and uh, you get a good variety of cars. So any race of Bathurst is a great one and this is a really good event. That was Mike Henry. Now this is all-round racer, Elliot Barber. 
So today we're here at the uh, Bathurst 6 Hour, I'm helping out good mate George Radiki in the uh, Mustang. And uh, it's just such a cool event, you know, uh, being a part of it now, you know, all the talent, you've got Shane Van Gisbergen out there, guys like George, is a massive mix of talent and experience. So uh, you see it in the crew, you know, you've got, got guys that are vast races themselves working on the crew just to be a part of the event. So it's, uh, it's cool being here, I was here racing anyway, so he said, come give us a hand and here I am. And after I spoke to Elliot, I didn't have to go too far to find my next victim. It's young Nash Morris. I was racing the Trans Am car here on the weekend. I popped out of the car and come down to the pits and started doing my job on the motorsport sales Mustang for Medici Motorsports. Yeah, the six hour car, the six hour whole race is a great race in general. You see a lot of variety of cars driving around the track and you know, some good racing. Now, this is a voice that is definitely recognisable, probably slightly better voice than Richard Crail, maybe, I'm not sure. It's Greg Rust. I'm absolutely loving it. Endurance events here always kind of get the hairs on the back of your neck up. Um, but this especially because it, it taps back into the great production racing history uh, at the mountain here. So cool cars, a great mixture of, of amateur and pro drivers, the ability to walk around and chat with people, see the cars, go to the top of the mountain unimpeded and watch them roar across the top there, just ticks all the boxes. Tony, is Greg Russ's voice better than Richard Crail's? What's your take? Mm, it's very close. Um, <laughs> you know, I think Richard is probably a bit more natural. Rusty, he really hypes it up. He hypes it up big time. He's a very excitable character. <laughs> but we love him. We love him. We love Gregory. Okay, it is Ollie Haycoop, who was one of the drivers in the Bathurst Six Hour. So we've had an awesome weekend at the Bathurst 6L. We love the race. There's uh, so many cool cars, different variety of cars, plenty of good action on the track. Um, good to get the drivers a lot of experience at Bathurst and racing all different levels of drivers as well. So great to have guys like Shane and Tim here leading the way. Um, but great to see a lot of up-and-comers from Formula Ford and TCR and the lower ranks of motorsport also having a crack. And we thank Ollie for his time there. Ollie is one of the leads on Pitbox, which you'll see uh, big branding down the side of Andrew Mazuris's Super 2 car. Tony, have you ever seen the Pitbox? Can you explain what it is? I actually have. I, I've actually seen it. I've used it. I've witnessed how good it is um, because we use it at uh, Dean Salmon's Evolved Driver Training Days. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how we give some of the drivers feedback. So um, we have it set up on our, on an iPad and it's got circuit. It's got every corner laid out. Um, you can give them feedback, like live feedback that can get sent to them. Um, it's recorded. Uh, we used to do it with a pen and paper. Old and school. That's old, old school. Uh, and then Dean would have to like, like, you know, try and read my writing and give the drivers some feedback after the event. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's actually really cool technology that's um, being used by Pitbox. And that's that's evolving at these Evolve Driver Train Days. It's really, really good stuff. Great. Okay. Well, thank you, Ollie, for your time there. Now let's move on to a man who has a long history in the sport, Colin Osborne. I think the importance of this event is it sort of goes back to the sort of beginning of, of touring car racing in Australia when cars were very much production-based. They've changed a hell of a lot since Humpy Holmes and all those sorts of things, but the essence of it is still the same. And I think it's got a lot of uh, a lot of relevance for the general public and, and, and the viewers in that 
they're seeing the cars that they drive to do to work every day. So for Colin, it's all about bringing back that old school racing philosophy. We thank him for his time. Now it's Super Two driver Josh Fife. Yeah, so I'm helping out with uh, Prime Motorsport this weekend for um, for the Bathurst Six Hour. It's been a great um, event so far with the GTs and TCR and uh, the um, and the TA2 classes as well. Like it's been awesome. Um, it's had a really good atmosphere here this weekend, and it, yeah, I'm, I might be thinking of doing it next year. It seems really cool. Now, from one Josh to another, now I've got Josh Muggleton. Uh, Bathurst Six Hours is a great event. Uh, really awesome opportunity for lots of grassroots racers to come and pro- test their production cars and, and mix it with some V8 supercar drivers. Like we've got Tim Slade and Shane Van Gisbergen here, amongst a few others, Paul Morris as well. So some big names and you know, a great opportunity to get on a national stage and, and showcase what um, some guys with lower budgets can do. The next man, you'll all know this voice, it's David Russell. Oh, look, for me, um, the, I guess the production car heritage has sort of been part of my life for the past, what is now, makes me feel old, 20 years. Um, you know, it, it's sort of ingrained in me in terms of the first time I was driving production cars was in a little Suzuki Swift against what was then Jim Richards, my hero, um, 20 years ago, you know. So to to still have a race like this is is so... Um, I guess it's, it's pure in the way of... Um, the manufacturers, the cars that they're manufacturing, we're out there racing them and, and um, it still keeps sort of, I guess, true to um, a good production car race. Fans are sad about the Ford and Holden things over, but they're driving so many different cars now. So, you know, to, to follow a race like this is, um, yeah, very special and it's good to be part of it. David Russell certainly has plenty of experience in production car racing, as does this man. It's Jimmy Vernon. The Bathurst 6 Hour is awesome because it brings back that grassroots motorsport. You get your family, you get your friends, you get everyone together and you just have a whole bunch of fun for all, all weekend. It's 6 hours of racing, there's a lot of attrition, there's a lot of luck but it's a hell of a lot of fun. We thank Jimmy for his time. Now the Mayor of Orange, it's Tim Lay. Oh, mate, I've done every one so obviously it's grown year on year on year but it's just, I mean... I think Australian motorsport, you know, obviously supercars is great, but we need all sorts of levels of motorsport. And the six-hour and, and the production car race at Bathurst, it's got a lot of history, you know. So the six hours become, I would say this year, fairly fairly iconic. So it's um, fairly competitive, but it's, it's great racing. It's interesting because I said to, I said to uh, Reynolds this morning, I said, you know, everyone won't be going as hard as they can, but they sort of are at the moment, so it's interesting. But, uh, yeah, it's just a great event. And now the mayor of Racefields, it's Mark Tierney. Bathurst Six Hours, seriously unique for the circuit, the venue, the time of year, and the fact it's production cars and grassroots level. Mates and mates driving cars that you would see on the road, all having fun. A lot of camaraderie, a lot of work, a lot of spare cars in the pits, a lot of donor cars, a lot of carnage, a lot of strategy, a lot of fun. We're definitely into the heavy hitters now, here now from Jess Dane. We're at Mount Panorama at Easter, so it 
really doesn't get much better than that to begin with and the sun is shining and the campground is packed yeah what a weekend and it's been such a great race so far there's been heaps of drama um, I think having seen a lot of people not get in much racing last year and a lot of these production cars just having sat there for a long time having had the last one of these races in 2019 people not getting in as much racing as they would have liked that's added to the drama people are a bit rusty cars have some technical issues and um, yeah I've really enjoyed being part of it so far. My first bath is six hour, but anytime you come to Mount Panorama, it's a special weekend. And thank you, Jess. And now one of Jess's seven network colleagues, it's Mark Beretta. I've never been to a six hour before and it has completely blown me away. The first thing that got me was driving into the camping area here and finding the, the camping area here full. I was amazed how many people came along. Um, second thing is the atmosphere in pit lane, you know, I've never seen that before. Because there are 60 cars out on the grid, there are cars chock-a-block down in pit lane. Um, in the garages, there is just an atmosphere of, of supporting each other, helping each other out. Uh, it's just got a, a lovely vibe to it. You know, it's a great event. And the other thing that got me is the crowds. You know, seeing uh, whole families here during Easter just enjoying it together. Kids with their Easter eggs and Easter bunnies under their arms just walking around enjoying the racetrack. Uh, and the quality of drivers here is fantastic. You know, to have the big names out there alongside the drivers who are working their way up, uh, alongside the drivers, the gentlemen racers who are here just enjoying a, a great race that they love every year. Um, and probably the sense of history as well. The fact that Easter Racing has been here since 1938, there's, there's a real sense of... Um, I guess, you know, occasion to this event, which is fantastic. But no, I have absolutely loved it. I've been completely sold on it and I cannot wait for next year. So Brett's is definitely sold on the six hour. Looking forward to coming back next year. Now, one guy who hopefully can come next year was a guy who spent the entire weekend at Bathurst. He was just hanging out with his mate, Timmy Lay, just, uh, just being his water boy. It's Will Davison. It's really interesting, it's fascinating being here on the other side of the fence. Um, an event I haven't actually been to before, but you still feel um, you know, the spirit of the mountain. Um, and it's really nice to see um, from a more grassroots style of motor racing with production cars, such huge variation in cars. And, and this is a big deal to all the competitors here, uh, whether it be for outright honours, um, through all the classes. For me, I'm, I'm really relaxed here supporting my mate. Uh, but I love motorsport, and for me, it's take the blinkers off, take in a bit of lower-level motorsport, if you like. Well, not lower-level, but, you know, there's privateers, there's all sorts of efforts going on here, and, and uh, seeing everyone dig in and um, at this amazing joint. So you, you can just see all levels of drivers, um, you know, whether their first time here or their 20th time, uh, you know, the excitement on everyone's faces and the crew's faces and... Uh, is, is really cool, so I'm really enjoying that element of it. Will you come and race here next year? Could you be convinced? Yeah, I could be convinced. Um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's the first time I've really looked at it, so it's, it's quite a fascinating style of racing. Um, so it depends which way you look at it. But, I, yeah, the, the production car element is truly old school and there's, there's a real ring to it, you know, um, not something I've really done much of. One day I would love to do a race with my dad and my brother, so that's a little idea that's been floating around. I don't know my dad would dream of it, so you never know, a lot of things that have to line up for us, but um, this is the sort of event where we could maybe tick off that, that dream as a family. What would the weapon of choice be for an all-Davo crew? Would it, uh, would it be a BMW or Mustang, or would you go for uh, you know something smaller in one of the other classes? Or 
Well, of course, you always want to go for the outright win, don't you? So I haven't truly dug deep as to uh, exactly what's required. I mean, clearly the BMs are the car to have. For me, you know, you know uh, some form of Mustang, you know, it sounds cliche, but it uh, would be cool. It's, it's a muscle car, like the manual shift in it still. Uh, you know, and I know there's, there's different uh, pit stop elements uh, for the classes. So I was thinking the Mustangs were going to be in good shape here um, with their sort of different uh, strategy options. Uh, 12 months on, you know, maybe we could develop something even better. Um, so that, that would be a cool concept. It would line up obviously very well with what I do um, professionally. So, um, yeah, that would realistically be uh, certainly the weapon of choice. So there you go, Tony D. Will Davison keen to enter a car for himself Alex and Davison me? and oh. Richard Davison, unless you've got a Davison surname, you're not going to you're not going to run in that team. Well, it's close. Same sort of initial, you know, Delberto Davison's very, very close. Um, that'd be a bit of fun. Like, uh, obviously, all of them are pretty handy steerers. Yeah, that would that would add to the family that uh, Richie Crow was talking about. I mean, we already had the Baguanas, we had the McLeods, we had the Ellerys. Um, so it's a big family affair. So. I wonder though, he'd have to get a Mustang. He'd have to get a Mustang. Oh yeah. And that's maybe where those, those special editions might be able to come out. They've got that Herod, uh, mm. Rob, Rob Herod, uh, Mustang. Maybe, uh, maybe they could do something pretty trick there. Um, I reckon, uh, Tricky Dicky would, uh, get right amongst that as well. So man, this thing could turn into a very expensive production car warfare yeah. at Mount Panorama. It could be wild. Cool. Well, look, it was a great event. It was actually the first six hour that I have ever done as well. Usually I like to enjoy my Easter with family or, and friends, you know, a million, a million miles away from Bathurst and, you know, occasionally catch what, whatever was on TV, even if it was on TV. But if it continues on this trajectory, it's, it's going to be a, a real centerpiece for, Mount Panorama for the town of Bathurst. So, um, yeah. yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was great. It was a great weekend. Uh, and there was, uh, some really, really good things to see, not just in the, that production car main race, but also in TCR TCR's first ever race around Mount Panorama. Now, just looking at the social media stats, uh, through my work with, uh, ARG and TCR, the, uh, the, the amount of views, the amount of likes and, and loves and shares and uh, the, the occasional tear-ups, uh, you know, they were all there and the, uh, the numbers were, were exceptionally good on the, on the social medias and they were also very good in the, in the TV broadcast world as well. I think that's going to be released sometime on Wednesday as you're listening to this. Uh, so all signs good for the Bathurst six hour. Now, one person who did an exceptional job over the weekend was young Aaron Cameron. He drives the Valvoline Peugeot 308 TCR car. He finished second in all three races behind Chaz Mostert in his all conquering Audi. Uh, and look, he's a young kid, Tony, you've known him for quite some time. We do a bit of training with him at uh, reaction performance as well. Um, this is the time to grab him. Uh, I reckon, do you ag agree that he's a star in a rise? Absolutely. Um, I think he goes about his business quietly. He lets his, uh, racing do the talking. And at the moment, mate, he is fast. He is mature. 
he's a young bloke having a big old crack and um yeah I, I really respect what he's doing out there so keen to get him on the show and ask him what his uh, future plans are well without further ado here he is aaron cameron on the parked up podcast and we're powered by race fields and it's great to welcome young charge aaron cameron onto the parked up podcast aaron how are you terrific living the dream and uh yeah, had a pretty good weekend, so I'm uh, I'm actually happy for once. <laughs> no, that is what I like about you. You're a determined young fella. I've um, uh, always laser focused on on what you're doing, and it's uh, it's one of it's one of your charms. But but look, it's been an awesome sort of uh, Mount Panorama event for you. You're now second in the championship. There was a couple of uh, races earlier in the year where. There was some frustration. Might have even seen some vision of you uh, trying to reshape the steering wheel of that uh, mm. Peugeot with your fist. But um, other than Chaz, who has, uh, you know, he's just come off the back of five wins from the last six races, you're you're the four man. Yeah, for sure. We um, didn't have the best luck at the start of the year. And I don't think they showed the half of what I was doing to that steering wheel. Um <laughs> But um, it's great to finally be able to put a weekend together. That's all we've been trying to do all year is put complete weekend together, get some good points and some trophies to, uh, to keep everyone happy. Every round we've been to this year, uh, Simmons points included, you have led laps in these races, uh, which is pretty impressive. Now, the question that I want to ask, even if you qualify last, I still think you're going to be leading the race by turn one because that Peugeot... Is that got like four wheel traction or something off the line? Like, is it four wheel drive or because it launches, mate? Absolutely yeah, launches. Doing some fancy stuff there. Um, our Peugeot Sport have actually done a ripper job with this launch control system. It is the best thing I've ever had. Like, my like my starts are good, but um, <laughs> not that good. So it is. I thank them because otherwise we would probably wouldn't be going as good as we are. We're always guaranteed sort of what two seconds in the first sector. So it's always nice. It's it's super impressive, but I don't think the other the Barguana car seem to launch off the line quite as good as yours. There must be oh, a bit of operator involved. Yeah, I'm a bit younger than uh than, than senior bug, so reaction times are probably a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aaron, you actually uh, we share a bit of history ourselves. Uh, we went to the same high school, a, mm. a few years apart. A few years apart. Um, I think I graduated in 2003. Have you graduated yet? <laughs> um, I didn't even graduate from year 12. I, um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a dropout. So, and I think it was like 20, 2017, maybe, that I oh my God, that finished makes me feel up there. So, so old. Slight, so old. slight difference. That makes me feel so old. We still do a bit of training there, though, with Lee summation from Reaction Performance. We actually, that's where we go back to do our training. Um, you're a bit more convenient than me every Saturday there, busting out some weights. Um, but unlike most race drivers that just live the dream of driving race cars on weekends, I think one of the most impressive things about your game is you've got a bloody full-time job as well. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you can't just race cars and I've got to earn an income. So, um, yeah, I'm concreted during the week, which is it's pretty hard on my back, but um, that's why I like getting in the car. It gives my back a bit of a rest. So, you know, it's good. It's actually a bit of a, a bit of a relief from the track and just a relaxation time. 
in some respects. I like Stuff it when I I like it when he comes to training and he's uh, sometimes still wearing the big boots and still like he's just <laughs> filthy dirty, but, um, and then gets in there and just uh, like, he's been doing actual hard labor all day. Usually I just sit behind a computer desk or, or sit on the phone complaining to people, but uh, Aaron's actually out there doing real stuff. And then we get to training and he still flogs me and flogs most others. <laughs> that is the goal. When I get there, I've got to, um, yeah, I'm always racing, so that's that's the problem. Always trying to go fast. All right, so let's talk uh, a little bit about your career. Now you're still a young bloke, but you're achieving great things. But what's your end game here? Supercars? Do you want to go overseas? Do World TCR? Formula um, One. Formula <laughs> One. Sky's the limit. You're not that young, though. I think you yeah, exactly. the boat on that one. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the goals? Um. I probably don't really have goals in motorsport. I just take it year by year, focus on what we're doing. And I'd love to try and get overseas in the TCRs. That'd be cool. Um, but I think it's you sort of got to be realistic at the moment. The focus is TCR Australia with GRM, um, for at least for this year and probably and next year as well, till this COVID sort of settles, completely settles down. I think international racing is pretty unrealistic. Well, it's certainly, uh, it's certainly competitive enough. So when those borders do open and the, those opportunities do come with another year of TCR under your belt, or, or even just with this year, you'll be in a good position to, to go and do it. You, at the end of 2019, just before COVID came, you went over and tested a, a Honda with Matt Neal over in, over at Silverstone. Um, and I guess, was that kind of a little bit of a, a precursor or just a, a, you know, an idea from yourself to go over there, experience something else, get to know new people. Of course, they race in the British Touring Car Championship, which run under mm. different regulations, but, you know, similar cars to what, uh, to what a TCR car is. But, but that's obviously the, something that's high on the list to, uh, especially while you're young, go and try and do something internationally. Yeah, for sure. I've had plenty of good contacts like Ryan McLeod helped me with that one with the team dynamics guys. And yeah, that was pretty, pretty awesome to have drive a BTCC car. It was um, certainly something pretty close, pretty different, but yeah, it's sort of a, I'd love to even get, get over there and yeah, you sort of trying to make contacts over there is, is the main thing to, so when you do want to go over there, you've got some, some places to say, to stay, you know, some people it's yeah. Trying to build something up. Now, over the weekend at Bathurst, uh, you fought pretty hard with an absolute superstar of not only Australian motorsport, but a guy that's competed at the top level in world motorsport as well, in Chaz Mostert. And you gave him a real run for his money. Do you sometimes pinch yourself that, hey, I'm, I'm beating one of the best race drivers in the country right now, and he's having to work really hard to get to, yeah, to get around me? you are actually pretty right there that it was probably not till the race two podium when I wasn't jumping between classes that I sort of sat there waiting for my TV interview and I sort of looked left and there was Chaz Mostert, who I have like huge respect for, obviously. And then I look right and there's Garth Handy like, wow, we're in some pretty <laughs> cool company here. And, and yeah, I, I tried my hardest to keep Chaz at bay, but he's just, um, he's pretty elite at uh, getting past and, and making the move happen. So, but it was great. I loved it. Yeah. 
you, as a racing driver though, you you really do uh, you, you wait for those battles, and then when you when you're there and racing against those guys, you got to really make the most of those opportunities and make a name for yourself. Which I think definitely you are in uh, not only TCR, but people are starting to go, hey, who's this bloke, Aaron Cameron? Yeah, exactly, and that's that is the cool part that yeah, when your name gets out there and you see it on the Facebook, you sort of you do pinch yourself and be like, shit, that is actually me. So it is cool, and I had the same thing what in 2019. In the Volkswagen when I was, was racing Russell Ingle, um, pretty hard. Then even I was racing yourself, and I think I got a bit nervous trying to pass you. I think we had we had the contact on last lap at Winton, and um, <laughs> no idea what I was doing. But yeah, I've got a bit better since then, a bit more calm and relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you did double duties at uh, Mount Panorama over the weekend, and it was it kind of came unexpected as well. Of course, you're in the TCR, in the Peugeot with GRM, but you got the invite to race in one of those Hyundai sex cells. <laughs> yeah, it was actually pretty cool. Like Brett come up to me after the first TCR practice and was like, do you want to race my car this weekend? And I sort of said, well, laughed it off and said, whatever. But next minute I was um, up there getting the seat fit and, and we're away. Like it was it was actually really good. I, I probably credit a lot of that to my good results for the weekend. I was pretty down on confidence after practice one because of the cars were, you probably had the same Tony. They were pretty slippery. Yeah. And um, yeah, get out there in the mighty sex L, have a crack over the top. And yeah, that um, gave me a lot of confidence to go out for the rest of the weekend and, and not put it in the fence. So it's good. So that's what, that's what I was missing, Grant. I needed to get in the sex L and uh, get mm-hmm. my confidence up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think we've officially changed the name of this racing class as well. Thank you very much. Yeah. I do agree though. After that first practice session in, in TCR, I was like, Oh my God, these things are wicked across the top. They're all over the place. Slippery. Luckily the tracks sort of rub it in a little bit. And I think everyone got a little bit better at it, tuned their cars up and then in the race, like, man, you could hustle them across the top of the mountain. That was mm-hmm. good fun. They actually were. It was, it was quite good actually. Yeah. Yeah, the first practice scared the bejeebas out of me and I thought this is going to be a, a circuit for the guys like Jordan Cox who just have no fear. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, once it got a bit nicer, I think everyone threw the kitchen sink at it for practice two to try and get them the cars easier to drive. So mm. luckily ours worked. <laughs> well, uh, for anyone who owns a computer or a telephone and some internet connection, they should go onto YouTube or Facebook and try and find Aaron Cameron's uh, little video that ARG media team put together uh, where they tracked his day from uh, the first TCR race and then did the big bolt up to the Hyundai Sexel paddock to uh, to race there. So, um, it was a, a real neat video put together by the one and only Andrew Mel, and, uh, it is definitely worth your time. You'll be able to find it on the TCR Australia Facebook page or YouTube channel. Aaron Cameron, we thank you so much for joining us on parked up mate. One last question. Can Chas Mostert be overcome? Can you be the 2021 TCR Australia champion? Certainly hope so. I mean, it'd be nice, but we'll um, we'll see. Now we're going to get sixty kilos for Eastern Creek. We, we you, might be uh, up the grid a bit. So Tony definitely flying as usual. <laughs> but um, no, nah, we'll, we'll certainly give it a crack, and we'll do what 
whatever means necessary to get it done, I guess. <laughs> cool, mate. Well, uh, all that extra weight, you're going to have to do a little bit of extra hard work with Lee Stimation and the Reaction Performance team. We'll, uh, we'll definitely see you on the, on the training field or at the gym with Lee and his team. And, mate, we wish you the very best for the rest of the year. Easy as. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. It's been great. And that was Aaron Cameron, Tony D. He's, uh, yeah, I like him. I like him. He's a good kid. He's fast. We should sign him up into mm. our little management deal, I reckon. Have we? Can we get him on a deal, do you reckon? I reckon we should, definitely. He's mm. uh, He is a, a really good talent. And uh, he's fast. He's humble. He's quiet. He just goes about his business. I like the way he goes about his business. And uh, he deserves the success because he bloody puts a lot of work in. We see him on, we see him training, as we've just mentioned, mm -hmm. but um, that's only a small part of it. So um, I reckon he can take it up to Chaz. And uh, if he can keep putting those weekends together, then why not? Why, why can't he win the championship? He, he uh, did a really good job in his first year in 2019. And yeah, he's been a real standout, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, any supercars team owner, any uh, influential person in that paddock should definitely give that man a call. We've got his number. It'll cost you, but we can we can make it. We we can get people talking to people. That's what that's what we do here at Parked Up. All right, Tony D. Any parting gifts for episode number fifty-two of our great independent podcast? No, no, no parting gifts. But by my calculation, next week. Obviously, there's Formula One that's going to happen and we'll preview Supercar Round and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But there should be some news coming from you, Grant Rowley. Me? What am yes. I doing? You said you had some exciting news yeah, to announce. I know, I know. I'm chipping away. I'm chipping. It might not be next week. Maybe the week after, maybe. Uh, we'll see, we'll do you know see. how many people are like on the edge of their seat waiting for this news? Mm. Yep. No, it's, it's a hot topic. It better be bloody good, I tell you what. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe definitely in, a, in the next couple of weeks. Can't wait to do it. We're going to get to talk to some very, very cool, famous Australian motorsport types when we do that. Um, there is one thing that we did not mention. It should have been mentioned in the news, but our good friend, Molly Taylor, she did awesome over the weekend in the Formula Extreme for none other than Nico Rosberg's team. She won. She qualified on pole. She finished third, I think, in the first race and went on to win. She, she's an absolute gun. No, I think she had um, some sort of penalty, so that's why she went back to third. And then, yeah, she won her final event there. Like an unbelievable debut. And Incredible. it's actually quite surreal. Like she's, she's racing for Nico Rosberg, for God's sake. Like yeah. it's so strange, but so happy for her that she got it done because she is you know one of the best female talents going around so mm -hmm. awesome fantastic yeah. for her yeah, yeah. No, and she good. was saying i think when we chatted to her last time she was saying that she's going to be in quarantine for about three months of the year or something with all this travel she's going to have to do for the racing so when you put in the commentary commitments as well uh, for supercars she's going to have a very full-on year yep yep she is very exciting. She is at the peak of her power. She's been on TV mm. shows. She's a, a new TV star. I reckon someone should write a book about her. I reckon so too. Might be able to sell a few copies of that one. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. That's it. Um, 
that is it for this episode of Parked Up. We thank you very much for joining us. And we'll see you next week. You will do, mate. See you then.